0: Good morning, evening, afternoon, wherever you are in the world. It is Sunday somewhere and uh, we have episode 22 of cinema where I'm going to be looking at today uh, the issue of crowdfunding. And uh, I guess, you know, one of the questions is is if you're an indie filmmaker listening to this and that is, is do you or don't you? And there are all kinds of things that go with crowdfunding in the way of of image. Uh, Some even use the word stigma. Uh, do you do it? I mean, if you're James Franco or you're Zach Braff or you're someone like that or even Rob Zombie, I, I guess it's kind of cool. It's a boutique thing that it's it's edgy and it's different. And you're this uh, indie artist that is going out to the masses. And I, I could get into all the ethics of, of what really goes on there and in, in my opinions of, of when very wealthy celebrities are out there shilling for money uh, from, from common people and their fans, which in some respects to me is is nothing more than a, a very pleasant shakedown. And uh, we can get into that some other time. I'm looking at more this time around of, of some of the logistics and details about um, crowdfunding that apply to cinema and, and in the way of, of indie filmmaking and uh, sometimes a cynical practice of, of how this uh, fundraising platform can be used. So I, I guess really what it comes down to is, is you know, they're there are crowdfunding sites for films, projects, medical issues, video games, bankruptcy, personal hardships. And and there is one, believe it or not, for making potato salad. And And at the time that I started researching this, they had raised over $55,000 for someone to make potato salad. And then they would uh, send people uh, a sample. They could partake in it. Don't ask me how they're going to do something like that or how they did do something like that. But that's what they claim. and And that is one of the things I want to get to before I get started into the meat of all of this. And that is if you're promising people things and uh, whether it's, it's a signed autograph or it's some type of merchandise or, or a a widget, whatever it's going to be, you need to take into account that, you know, you have to pay to ship this stuff. So just keep that in mind as well too. It's not going to mail itself. And if you get 5,000 people that are all looking for some type of mail order type of thing for making a donation to your project, that's going to add up fast. So, you know, the question really comes down to is, is, is what does is cinema, my cinema, have to do with crowdfunding? I mean, after all, it's about people pursuing their dreams, right? I mean, I, I guess, maybe, some of that is legit. I mean, I'm focusing on the film projects Thousands of folks out there have turned to the internet to to get their movie funded. And and I've been asked a number of times, well, why don't you do it? I've never ruled it out. It is hard to shake that financial money tree. And and recently, I've had a number of people come to me asking me to help find financing for their movies. And and I have to just be very blunt. And that is, well, I've got my own projects too. And I've made seven feature films, uh, all of them with private equity. And so it's, it's not an easy thing. And for any filmmaker, uh, indie filmmaker out there listening to this right now, you're nodding your heads and you're going, it's, it's a daily struggle. And, and it's not a struggle. It's a hustle. And it grows very, very tiring. Now, I've seen all kinds of crowdfunding projects for things other than film, and, and I don't mean like just TV shows. I, I've seen people who have lost their jobs, uh, you know, looking for, for some type of financial assistance and burying a loved one. There, there are all kinds of crowdfunding things out there, but I am focusing on film projects for this podcast. And like I said, there, there are thousands of folks who have turned to the Internet for their, for their money hopes, I mean, you've got Kickstarter, you've got Indiegogo, and you've got GoFundMe, and and there are so many more, and they they bloomed as filmmakers go to these sites, and they set their financial goals, and they they lobby for donors. And I've followed, you know, several of these ventures on Twitter. I want to see how they do, like, what's happening with them? What are they doing that's any different? I mean, just because you go and you set up a, a Kickstarter page, how do you get people to come see it? And then, of course, you have to interact with Instagram and you've got to connect there. And, and then from Instagram, there's Facebook. And it's a lot of work. It's, it's not one of those things where people just think, well, I'm going to go design a page, throw up some pictures from the production or some poster art and watch the money roll in. Uh, a lot of people just simply do not make their goals when it comes to this crowdfunding platform. Now I'm going back and and looking at some of these people online that I've followed. I mean they spend their day lobbying followers to to help them make their daily financial goals and and to make that dream and I always put that dream in quotes come true and and they offer these packages that that give the title of producer look, this is ball busting work and to be sure has pissed off a legion of followers with the constant timeline shakedowns. I mean, I, I see a lot of that stuff, you know, hey, uh, only 24 more hours to, to buy into our film, to get this, we're offering this deal, blah, 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 blah. And, and I get it. They're, they're doing the, the hustle. I, I totally respect it. But there are some people out there going, my God, if I see one more, you know, tweet or, or one more post on this, I, I'm not donating or I have donated and, and please stop filling my timeline. Some of these filmmakers publicly announce that they are unemployed, which doesn't always sit well with the Twitterverse because, you know, a lot of people are going, well, then why don't you go out and get a job? Go, go fund it some other way instead of asking me for money. And, and again, I'm, I'm not passing judgment. I'm just telling you what's out there. So I've, I've yet to do crowdfunding. Uh, I've been urged by several to try it. And, and as I, I've said in this podcast already, I understand it, but I'm not sure I want to embrace it. To date I have found single financiers and I, I drew up a single contract for those individuals and deposited you know lump sums in the bank. And to be blunt, crowdfunding seems like a lot more work. I am not intimate on, on how crowdfunders will divide profits or or how they handle a donor's request for creative input or what happens if the film doesn't come out well. Or never gets released. I've seen crowdfunding also for a number of uh, like Friday the 13th films fan films and and to me people are throwing away their money that's my opinion because Friday the 13th on a legal level is so locked down what are you going to do with this film? I mean I know the hope is, is that you'll get it out there and, and maybe Jason Blum will see it or, or someone like that and, and those are some odds I mean I'm not saying it can't happen but to take money from people to produce basically a, a fan fiction uh, film that, that legally cannot go anywhere uh, to be sold to return any type of funds. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess it's really up to the person who's doing it. And if, and if people want to give to that, well, then I guess God bless them. We are assuming it's a, a donor beware situation and, and your 10, 20, 50 bucks, what, whatever is donated with the concept that you're gambling with it. And you may never see any return on it whatsoever. And if you go into it that way, well, then, then I guess that's okay. I mean, if, if you're willing to throw somebody 20 bucks, 50 bucks, even 100 bucks, whatever, um, knowing that you're just never going to see this money again, well, then, then that's your option. Otherwise, I, I think there's some potential legal issues that are absolutely stupefying. So I want to look at something um, in terminology, and that is the donor versus the producer. Now, I am not a lawyer, but there is something not quite right with labeling someone who throws 20 bucks at your project as a quote-unquote producer. I mean, the title implies a couple of things. Creative control or input, share in profits, input on the direction of the film. I mean, I get it. The title sounds cool and affords bragging rights to someone. Hey, you know I'm the producer on Super Troopers 2? No, seriously. No, Remember, because Super Troopers 2 did a crowdfunding platform. But it's not that simple. But I I don't think the law is quite caught up with the crowdfunding aspects of things like, you know, other parts of the digital world. The word producer really should not be used. Donor is a better word that implies just that. A donation. Producer carries a whole different connotation. So here are some questions for the folks in charge of their crowd funders using the word producer instead of donor. And, and again, I may be wrong, but I'm, I'm just throwing this out there. So number one, what happens when a producer demands a new cut of the film or creative input on the script or cuts of the film? And I know you're going like, what well, what the hell are you talking about, Harrison? Somebody gave me 20 bucks or 10 bucks. Yeah, but they are now a producer, are they not? And technically, don't they get a right on the creative direction of the film? Unless your crowdfunding agreement specifically implies, or I should say states, that they have no creative control over the project, I would be getting a lawyer to be looking at exactly what people are getting and what they are implying or inferring that they're getting uh, from, from your contract or agreement to sign up as a producer on your film. Here's another question. Do producers share in the back-end profits or sale of the film? Do they get minimum guarantees? Do they get pre-sales? Do they get merchandise? What what kind of agreements are out there in place? If you have a crowdfunder right now, have you asked yourself these questions? And if you have, good for you. But if you haven't, I'd be looking at it because all it takes is one person, okay? It takes that one person who is a troublemaker to say, I'm going to get involved in this and see what I can do to get whatever I can out of it. Number three, if producers donate a sum, do you have paperwork outlining a reservation of rights? Is there some kind of documentation that you have clearly stating that donors have no input or creative control of the film, no right to back-end profits, no right to monies made on a minimum guarantee, pre-sales, or other income? Do you have something in place like that? Because the indie filmmaker in me says, if you don't, you really probably should. And my fourth question is, do you have some kind of document prohibiting the donor from claiming any kind of ownership over the project? So, for example, you get that one person, as we all know, as I've said, it just takes one. And what, what if they decide to go out there and, and say, no, you can't go sell it to this distributor because you know I own part of the film and I'm, I'm going to get a legal injunction against you and the film until you give me what I want. In other words, could you be held hostage by a donor that you now call producer. And I know this sounds probably very outlandish and a little off, offbeat or, or exaggerating, but I'm telling you, you have to think about these things. Look, I, I get it. There are all kinds of cool packages and incentives to get someone to click and fund autographs, posters, clothing, name in the titles, be an extra, etc. all that stuff. But what happens when a cynical donor tries to exploit a way to hijack your project? Has it happened yet? I haven't really heard that it has, but to me, it's only a matter of time before we see it. So you've got your fans, in quotes, and they feel that they have ownership over a celebrity at conventions. Think about how people act on that. Look at Star Wars fans and and their belief that they actually own the franchise, that they have some kind of input, and that Disney should cater to them, and they can boycott things and go back and reshoot The Last Jedi All that stuff. Look at the recent Game of Thrones flap with the final episode. I have seen this numerous times. A fan waits in line, spends 20 bucks and, you know, whatever it is up there for a picture, an autograph, whatever. And they suddenly believe they have the right to say whatever they please to that celebrity. They feel some kind of ownership because they saw, bought, or rented their movie or merchandise. The celeb is to stand there smiling or show no reaction to obtuse comments that come from an overzealous fan. And I've had a number of celebrities tell me this. I had one who told me she said someone, because they spent $50 on two photos at her stand, told her that she's really far less attractive in real life than she is in her pictures. And she should work on that. And when someone, I guess, who was standing in line said, what gives you the right to say that? They said, well, I just gave her $50 for a picture, as I can say that. So what if that type of attitude rolls over into some type of crowdfunding platform? So let's, let's look at the project. So for the project itself, the, the, the first thing a distributor asks about a film is, who's in it? The industry has shrunk, and the indie business is not what it used to be in the glory days of DVD in the late 90s and, and early aughts. Studios are cranking out less indie product and sticking with big blockbuster tentpole material and remakes and reboots and repackagings and reimaginings. We've discussed this in previous episodes. It is no longer the way it used to be. And while you will get some who say that, ah, names don't matter. Uh, there are only like five names in Hollywood that will really green light a picture. That may be true on, on certain levels. But at the indie level, when you're out there trying to sell your film A name still matters between web or YouTube distribution and actually getting your film bought. A name is a piece of equity to a distributor. And it proposes the idea that there is less exposure on taking a risk on the film. This is why a studio like Disney would rather take a chance on expensive dogs like Prince of Persia or the embarrassment of of John Carter. Yeah, you, you know which one I'm talking about, that your Hunter from the Future flick. That's what it looked like to me. Which still has staunch supporters like the Star Wars prequels do, but they will spend 100 million on a hopeful blockbuster and feel that is less of a risk to the studio system than 10 smaller films at 10 million apiece. So it's it's got a better shot at making a hundred million dollar film that will see a profit than again 10 10 million dollar films that all might have mixed results. So really, the studio system is one gigantic gambling casino. Now now tell me that Warner Brothers wasn't worried when they decided to make the Green Lantern. Remember that Ryan Reynolds disaster? The bottom of the superhero barrel was skimmed, but they gambled over $200 million in that film that, well, they hoped would eventually break uh, even or make a profit. And to date, I don't think it has. It wasn't the smash hit they hoped for, and it came nowhere near Iron Man or Dark Knight levels but something told the studio to take the shot. I mean, do you know how many indie films, how many good indie films could have been made on that budget or just the marketing budget alone? And and I'm sure the crowd funders lobbying for funds on Twitter are aware of this every single day. So the real question comes down to is, and, and that is, so why do this? Unless an indie film is exceptionally good or at least has one sellable name, the chances for the film escaping its hard drive or avoid the eventual YouTube upload are slim. Most times, indie films are the most expensive DVDs on a director's shelf. And and they're shown to their friends and family and accompanied by grand talks of how they will eventually get it out there. They'll rent a local movie theater. And I'm not making fun of any of that. I'm just saying that's the reality because the reality is not paranormal activity and the reality is not Blair Witch Project. Yes, those films were shot for low amounts of money, but what people don't f- understand and that many have never really gotten the grasp of is that those films were plucked out of indie uh, obscurity and that they were pumped full of money. They, they were Millions were spent on cleaning up the pictures, adding special effects and redoing post-production and sound. And then they both had 50 plus million dollar marketing campaigns behind them. And that's what people forget. No, your $15,000 film is not going to make 400 million. And if you're telling investors or crowdfunding donors this, you are lying and you are disingenuous. It can't happen that way. It has to be picked up and you have to have a huge marketing program behind it. And that's what most people discount on that. Many times these, these small indie films are nowhere near as good as the filmmakers think they are. But there are those that are spectacular and, and they do deserve to be seen by wider audiences. But the Hollywood system does not make superstars. It discovers them. It has no interest in nurturing talent or educating it. It wants those who have already have the spark to translate that into fast revenue, to exploit, If the stars align and they get a Spielberg who produces more hits than flops for several decades, then great. These people have had their talent long before Hollywood discovered them, and that's why it feeds on it voraciously. I've often said this, that the studio system is like a vampire. It needs to feed constantly on new blood because it does not produce its own supply. This is why remakes have been embraced. It is cannibalism, as there is a dearth of a new food supply being discovered. Play it safe. Go with the superhero trend and run that into the ground, just like they've done now with Star Wars. Uh, Just big news uh, just recently that Disney has announced that after uh, Rise of Skywalker, they're going to give Star Wars a break for a while. Boy, that is really different than a couple years ago when they showed that big thing at some convention or, or debut where they had Star Wars films going all the way up to the 2050s. So obviously something happened there. So play it safe, like I said, go with the superhero trend, run it into the ground as big franchises like Harry Potter, Twilight, Pirates of the Caribbean reach all their ends, which we've seen that happen, and Star Wars is obviously now, at least on the feature end of things, looking like it's reached its end for a little bit, and Jurassic Park, they'll they'll just run everything into the ground. In playing it safe, the indie circuit, whether consciously or unconsciously, has made efforts to align itself with what is selling. It has to because in the end, unless you have a ripe donor like Woody Allen or Spike Lee, these guys get their money from people and Woody Allen, I, I can't even tell you the last time that a Woody Allen film has made a major profits, but somebody still likes giving Woody Allen money. It's a matter of small things like eating, keeping the lights on and the landlord off your ass for the indie filmmaker. That's the difference. I have not at this time and nor do I plan on giving money to any celebrity crowdfunding project using James Franco as an example right here. Okay. So this guy, I mean, he could fund several films on what he was paid for that really lousy dog, your highness. Remember that? And and even he admitted that film sucked. Just what he got paid for that alone, he could fund his own projects. Celebrities with large personal wealth should be ashamed going to the internet and exploiting fans simply because they don't want to spend their own money. Studio projects like Veronica Mars or Super Troopers should not be shilling for personal funds. Studios can fund them. They just want to see how the crowdfunding thing goes with other people's money. And I I think that's an outright shame someone at the apex of hollywood will make a ton of cash on super troopers 2 but it won't be the donors who contributed and i'd really like to know how that film did financially so the other question is in crowdfunding is do you make a horror film does horror sell is is it still selling and and the answer arguably is yes many of the films i see online seeking funds are, are horror films because the thought is is that again horror sells one of the most saturated horror sub-genres right now is the zombie movie, and, and, and it's definitely been fading. I mean, it reached its peak probably around 2009, 2010 with, with the height of The Walking Dead. But before the release of my own zombie film that I did with Billy Zane called Zombie Killers, Elephant's Graveyard, I went all open letter on why I caved and, and made a zombie movie. And, and I even have it posted. I can give you a link to it if, if you'd really be interested. I'll put it in these notes. There is zombie fatigue out there, and and I knew it firsthand in in making the film. I have not seen any of the indie fan-funded zombie films that that I've found on Twitter, and, and I'm not judging them. Zombie films have one plot. Humans must survive. So whether it's The Walking Dead or The Best of Romero, the plot is basically the same, and the films never really stray from that formula because they can't. However, this is also what fans love and want and expect from their walking undead. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it, I guess. I mean, right now, how did Zombieland 2, I believe Double Tap is the subtitle, how did it do? Quite frankly, I I don't see where it made that much of a splash. I mean, 10 years after the original one comes out and really, I mean, you really should have been releasing a sequel to Zombieland probably about five, six years ago, not about now. So then you have this attitude by many people, many indie filmmakers that I have the next, I have the next Star Wars, I have the next Harry Potter, I have the next Twilight, whatever it is, whatever franchise, they think they have the next one. These indie filmmakers really must believe that they have something different. These online film fund adventures have passion and a belief in overcoming the odds and taking the chance a studio would not afford. And as far as I know, they have no major box office star or even stunt casting names that that would mean anything to a distributor they have budgets that may not exceed fifty thousand us dollars i mean these are rough odds to say the least that these films will ever reach a wide audience or get beyond a local theatrical screening so why are these people doing it it's hard enough to temper the expectations of one investor i can't imagine answering to over 100 people who say hey man i gave you a hundred dollars i gave you a thousand dollars uh, I, I want some say. I want some input on this. Making movies is the best set of electric trains a boy could have. And, and Orson Welles is the guy who said that one time. He was an auteur who also paid a heavy price for having an independent vision as the system that built him up also destroyed him. Just look at Orson Welles's life. It's the dream. That's why people do it. That's why people get into film. The hope it will lead to other things. It's the old story of the man standing on the corner selling apples for a million bucks a piece. And somebody comes up and says, how are you going to sell these apples for a million dollars each? And the response is, all I got to do is sell one. So going back to the paranormal activity Blair Witch, you know, get rich with nothing formula. They were carefully calculated films backed by major studio advertising campaigns. Unfortunately, it has created a breed of filmmaker who thinks that again, your $5,000 film on your Best Buy camera and your computer editing software is gonna make three, $400 million. This creates a subterfuge for the real filmmakers out there trying to get their work funded and most of all seen. They have to push their way past the wannabes and most of all, they have to fight harder. Fan-funded films are a risk perhaps greater than, than having single financiers because you have so many people to answer to who also think they know best. Getting the movie made is one thing. Getting it out there, making money, is entirely something else. Once it's done, they will have to fight even harder for distribution and the constant harping of, When will it be out? I gave you my 20 bucks. I gave you 50 bucks. Where is it? What am I getting out of this? When will I see my money back? I mean, it's bad enough when you're making a film on a million dollar budget with with a single person's money saying, when do you expect to see a return? And look, most people will tell you a good indie filmmaker will tell an investor or a financier is the better word for it. And that is, you're not going to see anything on your money for at least a year, year and a half. Now, tax credits and all of that are a different thing, but... Do crowdfunding projects take advantage of tax credits? I I don't see how that's possible. I mean, I I guess it's possible, sure. But I haven't seen anything to date where you're able to say to 100 people, I'm going to be able to get some of your money back because we're going to take advantage of state tax rebates and credits and we're going to be sending checks out to everybody. Who does that accounting? Who is looking into all of that? And should you sell the film who's dividing up the profits? Have you set even a percentage of what somebody gets? I mean, there are points, there are percentages, there are are all those things. Are are you even uh, posting anything or sending any information and packages to people saying what they're entitled to percentage-wise? What happens when somebody says, hey, I gave you a thousand dollars on Kickstarter I want my return on investment and I want 40% of what the project makes. If there's nothing in writing that says they're not entitled to that, then they're going to ask for that. And it's only a matter of time before the big major or class action lawsuit comes against some uh, crowdfunder. I, I just can't imagine why it hasn't happened yet, but I suspect it's going to happen. So what happens when someone says the funded film failed because their input wasn't considered? What happens when they sue, not for their 20 bucks, but for the estimated loss because their producer title was ignored. Could we be that far off from this scenario? Look, anyone can sue for anything. I did not say anyone who does this will prevail, but they can create a major problem. Like I said, a legal injunction against the film. So simply, Crowdfunding, it can create a legal nightmare for filmmakers who simply wanted to run down a dream. So think about that. If you're running a crowdfunding site, be sure to have somebody of legal authority look over what you're promising and also what's not there. Because what isn't there could also be inferred by someone as, hey, uh, I'm, I'm entitled to something. And that's the key word out of this, entitlement. What do they get? A crowdfunding site should have a very strict list of benefits to the donor. I do not use the word producer. We're going right back to this basically at the end of this podcast. Look over your crowdfunding site. Look over what you promised people. Most of all, consider all the logistics, whether it's shipping Whether it's uh, some type of promise of, of a premiere, anything like that. And what happens if that premiere doesn't happen and somebody says, you promised we were getting a premiere and it didn't happen. What happens when somebody claims mental anguish or mental harm because they gave you their last 50 bucks? Your argument can be is, hey, I didn't tell you to give me your last 50 bucks, but their attitude is, but I did. And now I want something back for my trouble. So all of these things need to be thought of in your crowdfunding platform. There are plenty more. This is a brave new world and a very, very uh, unsure landscape out there. So hopefully this podcast helped you. If you are crowdfunding, Go back and look at your stuff right now. See what you've promised. See what's not there. And and also see what kind of feedback you've been getting from some people. I'll bet you there are some of you listening right now (laughs) that are saying, yeah, I've got that pain in the ass. And I hear from this person all the time asking, what's up? What's next? What's going on? Uh, You know, is it better just say, here's your $20 back. Thank you. So this is Harrison Smith with Cinema. I thank you for tuning in and have a great week. Head on over to iTunes and give me a like and review, and if you want to read my cinema blog, you'll find it at horrorfuel.com forward slash author forward slash Harrison.